Welcome back to the Gods to Ghosts Volleyball Podcast and your host, Scott Bemke, for part two of our interview with Bob Vogelsang. As a quick reminder, as much as I think the world of Vogie is to most of the players that played against him, sometimes his facts and memories and stories don't always match up with what always happened in history. With that being said, enjoy Vogie's part two interview let's move on to larry rundle what do you recall about his game uh, what made him a special player and uh whatever you got on him is great well they called him rags now i don't know if they ever called him rags because he and i used to rag on each other when he played he used to love to play against me he says i love playing against you both because when I play against you, everybody comes to watch us because they know that you're going to rag on me and I'm going to rag on you and the dialogue is going back and forth and blah, 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 blah. Said, I love playing against you, Vogue. I know I like to play against you, too. You know, especially if I get up that high and play in the finals. That's what I want. <laughs> and that's another thing, trying to get to the finals because what it is is you have to play Brad O'Hara and then Rundle Bergman and then Von Hagen and Lang. I mean, you got a tough road to hoe to get through those guys, you know what I'm saying? So the fact that I got up there, either had to beat a couple of those good teams. I mean, there's not one team that I haven't beaten, let's put it that way, that's for sure. But uh, Rags and I used to rag on each other, especially indoors, because he was on the Olympic team, the outstanding player on the Olympic team. But he could never beat uh, Sawara and I indoors, Ernie, because we won that uh, indoor doubles championships at City College maybe eight times in a row and, and poor old rags would come up with a different partner every time and always fall a little bit short but uh he and i would always do that and then there was a time at uh i think it was Hampton beach i told wilt i played with him after you know help coaching him getting him started i told wilt because i played against him against the, the globetrotters so and i become very good friends with him i said yeah we'll play we'll play and I'm thinking that's going to draw a crowd. I'll meet more girls, whatever. And then Rundle, his partner, couldn't show up. And he says, Run, Bogey, why don't you play with me? We could win this tournament. And I'm saying, well, I'm sure we could. But I already told Wilt I was going to play with him. And there's one guy you don't <laughs> count on as Wilt. Not only because he's big and strong, but I mean, I'm just that type of guy. I wouldn't do it even if it wasn't a great player. But I remember that Rags always... Always said you made the right choice. He probably said I probably wouldn't have done that either. We go way back, Rags and I, just mainly from uh, mainly doubles. Not never no six man stories on that. But uh, Matt he Davis says to, he was a heck he of a 
Go ahead. I don't know what you said. No, you go ahead and finish. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, uh, nothing much more interesting stories with, uh, Rundle. Just that he's always a good buddy of mine and we got along great. What about his partner, Henry Bergman? Henry could never beat me. He always played with Rafael or Smuzz or Spice or whoever he played with. But, uh, and that was when you couldn't even block over. I would block him incessantly. I would just take a sharp angle and he couldn't hit. He never, he didn't have a line hit. I think I made him do, I think I made him get a line hit because he, you know, he had that one angle. Even, you know, even as he got older and the other guys didn't really, well, nobody really blocked but Ernie and I, really. And, uh, oh, Heather and Bright would block once in a while just to keep teams honest. In other words, you're setting the ball 50 50. It's hard to dig somebody even on the beach, on success. So if, if they're really in a groove, passing and setting well, you want to throw them off but with a block. But back in those days, you know, like, boogie, your fingernail was over. Like, what? Which fingernail? You know, it drove me crazy. But that's why I loved it when the over-the-net blocking came in. Was Henry every bit as devastating of a hitter as they, they claim him to be? You know, I never thought he was that devastating of a hitter. I, you know, I know what he was going to do. When I didn't block him, I could dig him because I knew where he was hitting it. He was uh, always easy to read. He just never impressed me as being one of the best players because mainly me because in the earlier days I beat him so, so constantly without him playing with rags. If he didn't play with the rags, I don't think he would have won much. Uh, he wasn't a, a bad setter, so people would be s silly enough to serve, serve Rags or Rundle because they think that Henry would, wouldn't be a good setter. But Henry is a decent setter, and, and Rags had a lot of shots and could hit. But I would just serve Rundle. I mean, I would serve Bergman every ball. What about As a nice man, he was just very, very quiet, obviously, and very nice. I would consider him a, a good friend of mine. I just, he was an associate and a competitor against, but I mean, I had nothing against him. He was a great guy, good player. I just think in my background against him, he was just a little bit overrated. Let's move on to uh, Ron Ado Lang. Ron Ado Lang. Well, Ronnie was uh, quite the player. I remember I used to I used to play him a lot, and uh, he'd always brag on how many tournaments he and Juan Hager would win. And because I could notice that he had all these welts on his back, that's from patting himself on the back so hard. <laughs> <laughs> but he was, a, he was a nice guy. I mean, he was, it's just his personality. He was that type of guy. He was a great guy. I mean, I like guys like that. I don't like that in a way. Only 17 different variances, all kind of different things. <laughs> but uh, but he was he was great. But I, I always hated when he said, "Well, you know, that's what we have. You're playing with Ron Hagen. I'm playing with guys like Wilt. Not even in the top ten. And I'm taking. I'm I'm almost beating you. Sometimes I'm beating you. And blah blah blah. This and that. And I would. I remember getting to Lang. I, I knew how to shut Lang up. Because down at the State Beach, we used to play a lot of mixed in the old days. And there was the biggest mixed tournament was State Beach Open. And uh, this gal from playing at UCLA, Lori Lewis, asked me to play it. She's a pretty good player. 
I said, sure, I'll play in that. And uh, that's when my serve was really working, and I'm playing good mixed, and I think I beat Selznick and Jeanette like 11-3, 11-3 or something. We were on fire. Long story short, end up playing against Lang in the finals. And I said, well, Ronnie, how about the time when it was just man-on-man, just me against you and another and a woman? How about that tournament? He said, what about it? I said, well, I beat you in the finals 11-1-11-0. You got one point in two games. Well, your partner was better than mine. Thank you, Ronnie. Thank you. My partner was better than yours. But there goes my argument on this and that, you know what I mean? So I can always stop him on that. But I said, hey, she couldn't have been that bad. You got to the finals. Anyways, Lang and I always went at each Actually, believe it or not, I played with just about everybody, too. I played with I played with Bright. I played with Lang, if you can believe that. I think I finished second with both of them, too. But uh, Lang, I had to play left side. But Lang actually said, thanks, Bogey. I, I enjoyed that. We actually had a good time. Bright, I had him cracking up the whole tournament. I, why do I find that not hard to believe? Um, what made Lang such a great player? Uh, determination. What else? Strict, strictly determination. I mean, what else is a little fat guy going to be good at? Come on. <laughs> now he, he, was, he had a great wrist, a decent jump, fantastic swing, good serve. He had everything. He actually had everything. Was he as intimidating to the opponents as uh, you hear about like the 8-0 stories and, and spinning the ball on his finger and the next and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, were, were people pretty much in awe of him? I'm not talking well, you necessarily, but other like opponents, yeah, no. other people were there. I mean, Jim Mangus, who's one of the best. Yeah, he was played, intimidated. A lot of guys are intimidated by that. It had an effect on him, and, and he was a pretty gritty guy himself. One thing that's got me on, on, on uh, Lang, though, is he didn't like to lose, as neither did Von Hagen. But I would, they were smart. They would say, well, they went to the tournaments, and they would always go up to whoever I played and say, hey, sir, Bogey. Why? Bogey hits so hard and everything. Well, yeah, but he'll get tired. You know, well, they went along with that. Because naturally, if I'm jump serving all the time, blocking all the time, hitting all the time, I'm going to get tired. But that's where they were smart. And the other teams, they get beat 15 to 3. Yeah, we served bogey, we lost. Oh, too bad. But, I mean, they would have gotten more points serving my partner, maybe. But that was the whole thing. They, yeah, serve bogey, he'll get tired. Yeah, I won't get tired for you guys, but I'll get tired in the finals. We set them up. That's but, strategy. Uh, Just like you said, the game oh, is yeah. about strategy. Determination. What about his partner, Ron Von Hagen? What can you tell me about him? Ronnie was... Just a sweetheart of a guy. I loved his dogs and the way he come down. He was very consistent. Oh, Von Hagen and Lang together would play down at another thing that I was going to get back at. Well, their team anyway, so I can say it now. Is that Lang, they would always, Boogie, why don't you play with Father? There's no guy everybody called Father, Jack Kearns. He was a, a, a decent setter, little old fat man, running around all right, nice guy. Everybody loved him. I think he owned a little bar and down in Santa Monica everybody went to, but he wasn't a bad player. I mean, was he a B or an, an A, whatever? But they would say, mainly 
practice him when I get practice digging a good ball and what what have you. And I could pass good, so Jack would set me pretty decent. So a lot of times we'd have them in the game to fifteen, have them nine to nine to six, nine to five. All of a sudden, I wouldn't see another serve. They'd serve Jack. I'm going, why would these guys do that? I mean, here they are. They want to get a workout. Why don't they just continue it out? That's that's what got me down. I mean, had it been me, I would I would serve. I would continue doing it just to get the workout. Who cares if you lose mm-hmm. in a practice game, right? But no. And same thing with Ronnie. If Ronnie had one time when we played for the first time, I always played against him. And, you know, with Jack and against him and all these tournaments. And so finally, Steno says, Ronnie, you got to play with Vogue. He just got out of that pro volleyball league, and he's, he's, he's in great shape. He's running circles around me. And it, so he Stunner tells me that I'm going to try to talk Ronnie in the plane with you. I said, all right, I, we'll go for a jog. Okay. So I'm jogging with, with Steno, and I've, I'm running circles around him. I beat him, and then I ran a circle around him. And then we did it again. And I ran. we got to tell Ronnie I'm running circles around you. So he tells Ronnie, oh, he's in such great shape, he's running circles around me. Really? Yeah. I swear to God, he's unbelievable. I mean, I was in great shape then, too, mind you. So we ended up actually playing together. In the very first match, we had to uh, play these two writers, sports writers. I mean, they never played before. And I said, all right, well, let's give these guys a chance. Let's serve easy to them and let's see if they can get the ball over. Have fun at it, Ronnie. No. We got to beat them 15-0. What? Come on, Ronnie. These guys, they can't even walk and talk. And now we got to beat them 15-0. Okay, so we beat them 15-0, and the second team, we're probably playing a combination single-A, double-A player or whatever. We beat them 15-0. Third team, I think we're playing a single-A, single-A, or maybe a double-A, single-A, whatever. Beat them 15-0. So here's three games we played, and we're at, we're 45-0. And then, then the competition got better. We kept going and going and going. And, uh... This is the very first time I ever played against Ronnie for, what, 20, 20 years without playing with him? I mean, I'll do the math. I can't even think of 35. Yeah, I was 36. He was 38, something like that. So that was the first time I played against him. I started at, I was rated higher in that magazine kind of day, higher than Von Hagen. Oh, incidentally, I did win an open in Santa Barbara with Bill Lika against Von Hagen. Was it an open? It wasn't an open. It was what? Like it was, an, a or it was an open. It was an open. Santa Barbara open. A lot of times, a lot of this old stuff comes from the history of volleyball too, right? You know, the beach thing. And that. And he asked me a lot of the stuff. What ones did you win? I never told him everything that I won. I just told him all the fun things and all the stories. That's what they wanted to hear. So I gave him all that. But uh, yeah, we won that one. I mean, he didn't play with a great partner. There you go. It's all, it's all partnership. Who you team up with. What else made Von Hagen such a great player and ambassador for the sport? His training methods. He, he stayed healthy. He, you know, I mean, he was he was a diehard, want to do good kind of guy. In fact, when I played with him, he said, "Vogue, you know, I don't want you. I'll play with you if you don't drink beer." Ronnie, that's part of my life, man. Come on. No, no, drink this. He gave me some shit that was like kind of good tea, green tea, this, that, and everything. Didn't make me feel pretty good, though. I played better than I ever played in my life. 
the first time we're playing, we play Mingus and Lee in the finals of the winners, and we beat them. And then you lost in the double final, right? Yeah, we beat them 11-3-11-5. That's the first match that they'd lost to in two years. And we beat them 11-3-11-5. I'm playing unbelievable. Ronnie's playing good. And he keeps pumping me up. Oh, good playing, Bogey. Good playing, Bogey. And I'll never forget this. I went back and, and being the trash talker. But I wasn't trash talking to Mingus. I said, hey, I really played good, didn't I? And I said, shut up, Bogey. Nice playing. Okay, good job. Anyway, he had to laugh. And, yeah. That's just how, that's how me felt, too. Just like that doggy. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy man you're a piece of work Vogel saying I can only imagine once you have a few beers in you I'm drinking one right now shocker what what, what, uh, what are you having a, a Zima well now here's my here is my what do we call it I, uh, I discovered my discovery it's Kaigama it's a beer from I guess way down lower Mexico, but it's a dollar ninety nine a quart, and it's the poor man's Corona. It tastes better than Corona. And there you go. And I don't have four of them like I used to in the old days. Now I'm just drinking one if I'm lucky. Okay. Let's uh, move on to Mike Bright. Mike Bright. Um, heard a lot of great things about him. Heck of a hitter and paddle boarding prowess from Catalina to. Manhattan Beach and so in your own words what do you recall about Mike Bright he didn't like to laugh much he was very uh, stoic very down to earth and I always made him laugh laugh his ass off I don't know why he just like well, he just thought I was funny and a nice guy we got along great I used to love to watch him and a fire I think a guy was a fireman named Mike Devaney when they won the single A before Tom Floor and I, we watched them, and they, oh, that's a good team. And I always admired Bright, and I played one with him. I think at State we got a second, and uh, I think that was the reason, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know how we lost. We could have won that one, but uh, that's another story. Bright was a very, very, very nice guy. He used to love to go fishing, which I did. Funny story was uh, with him is the fact that uh, well that was after his accident his diving accident where he got and the bends yeah and he's working at uh, Malibu Divers okay funny he would work at Malibu Divers after getting the bends but anyway that's where he worked I guess that's the kind of guy he was I don't care I still want to do this type of thing so anyway he's working at Malibu Divers and I'm going to go uh free diving at uh, Point Dome. Get me some fish. So I'm, I've, I've got an old mask that leaks and I've got a, found a good pair of fins. And I, I just went to Sears and Roebuck and bought myself on special a little spear gun. Now I'm going, I'm going to go down there and dominate that ocean. So I stop off at, uh, at the dive shop and I'm seeing them and bright and I'm saying, all right, Michael, I'm going to go down and get me some fish, some halibut, and some bass, and everything. Really? All right, good for you, Bogey, blah, 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 blah. 
And I said, uh, he says, what, what, what kind of equipment you got? So I brought everything in. I got my fans. Here's this. He goes, oh, no wonder your mask leaks. That's not a good mask. He says, I got a, I, I'll give you a good, I got a good mask. I'll give you. He wants to get a snorkel, good mask, really good mask. Here, you can have this one. I don't like the straps on your, on your fins. They're going to break and they're too loose. I, yeah, it's always going to, well, here. So they put on new straps for me. And this and that. And I said, oh, thanks, Mike. He, he says, well, whereabouts are you going to go? I'm going to go to Point Doom and everything. He says, well, I used to dive that a lot. Now, what, what's hap what happens down there is during a certain time of the, the month, this is like the time of the month where the big halibut are having, they're laying their eggs. I go, really? Yeah, what they do is they bore into the sand to lay eggs, the big females. They're the big ones. I go, yeah, yeah. He says, what you'll do is you'll just see an outline of that, of that big halibut. I mean, you know, big flat surface hugging on the bottom of the sand. Really? Yeah. And, you know, the bass, they'll let you follow them, but the bass will take off once you get anywhere close to them. So you, you got to be really quick with that. Oh, yeah. Well, I got a good gun. Yeah, that's good. Well, good luck, Mike. I mean, Bob. Okay, thanks, Mike. So I take off. I said, I'm going to kill it now. He got me a, a good mask. I fixed my fins. You got a, you got a spear gun from... Sears Roebuck, top of the line. $21. $21 on sale. Like my Snoopy fishing pole back in like 83. So I, I get down there. I wanted to get a buddy of mine to come with me, but he couldn't make it. So I'm thinking all by myself. You know what they say. Don't go out there by yourself. Man, I can swim. And body surfing champ. Come on. So I'm down there swimming. All of a sudden, oh my God. Look at this outline. It had to be two feet by two feet. I mean, circular, perfect. Biggest ass halibut, probably about 30 pound halibut. I'm looking at maybe. I slowly come down, no bubbles, no one really did. It was down about 30 feet. Boom! I get it right dead in the middle. All of a sudden, it starts to take off. But what helps take it off are these two giant wings on the side that start paddling. It was a goddamn ray. <laughs> and it just kept going. And it's pulling my gun and my mask. I was like, <laughs> I'm going through the water like you can't believe. Oh, also, yeah. there goes my mask. I'm going to drown. I, I got to let go of the gun. I can't take this anymore. I had to let go of the gun. Uh, there goes the gun. Anyway, uh, I lose that. I'm coming back. And I said, well, i got to see if Mike will sell me another mask or something. So I stopped by him. He goes, hey, well, we got to go. Where's the fish? I know it wasn't as good as I thought, you know. Oh, it's too bad. He saw some. Yeah, I saw one good one. No, hey, And then finally, I realized, i got to tell him the truth. I'm so embarrassed. I said, well... I went down there and I saw the outline and then all of a sudden the wing, and he just started laughing his ass off. He goes, no. Huh? And he, he says, he said he, he remembered hearing about that before sometime, but he started laughing and laughing and laughing. He couldn't stop laughing. And I mean, so I had to laugh along with him. I said, hey, you got to learn something new every day. So anyway, he says, you know, I never did like a gun anyway. 
I got a Hawaiian sling I'll give you. Use one of these. How do you use that? Now you just pull it back and it's got the triple prong. And what that'll do is it'll, sometime you hit a fish right, it'll paralyze them. Okay. So I went and got, he gave me that one and then he says, I got another, I got another mask for you. Okay, thank you, Mike. Anyway, I thanked him again. As I'm leaving, he, he couldn't stop laughing again. He says, stop by on your next trip. I want to find out what happens. But anyway, that's, that's the main one I like with Mike is, is the fact that the nicest guy he is, he invited me one time to go down Mexico fishing with him, but I, I, I was doing something else I couldn't go. And uh, Ernie Suarez's brother, uh, John, used to always go down and fish with uh, Mike down down at his, I guess he owned a little thing down there in Mexico yeah. where they fished a lot. Yeah. The nicest, they're all, all the ones that I have friends with, they're, they're all the nicest guys in the world. Like O'Hare and Bright were both very, very nice. Different different personalities. O'Hare was outgoing and and Mike was kind of inner, you know, not as much outgoing as uh, O'Hare was. Right. But together they made a great team. Yeah, five plaques on the Manhattan Beach Pier. That's pretty impressive. And I think they had a pretty good record against uh, Gene um, there. So uh, that's good stuff. You know what? Let's talk about the Manhattan Beer and the, uh, all the names on the pier. And that, that always struck me as being funny. Why would you just... Because everybody remembers a tennis match with who played in the finals. Right? You say, oh yeah, there's John McElroy who won in 63. Yeah, but he beat Borg 25-27, unbelievable match. Whatever, you know, there's always the... Why don't they put the first and second place? It didn't make sense to me to put just the one, one only winner. Because everybody remembers, you know, and then you got to figure out, well, who did they play? Well, you'll have to write a letter to uh, the city and see what they say. Let's, uh, for our final one today, let's talk about Gene Fluger. Fluff. My old buddy Fluff. Yeah. Great guy. He and I played quite a few tournaments together. Like we beat Lang and Selznick quite a few times. Two or three anyway. I mean, I know two. And the one that hurts me the most is probably a tournament we could have won. San Diego, I'm playing with Gene and I... I'm taking a girlfriend down. I'm late. We almost had to forfeit out. And it's hot as heck down there. The sands, I don't know how hot it is, but they decided not to have two out of three. They decided to have one, one match to 21, which that sounds good to me. So anyway, we beat, uh, we ended up beating uh, Lang and Von Hagen. We beat them 21-15. Beat them pretty good. And now we're playing... Uh, Bright and O'Hara. I mean, not Bright and O'Hara, but uh, Bright and Sawara. Another good buddy. So we're playing them, and we're winning 21. We're winning 17-14. And Jack Hen was the ref. And I hit a ball down the left side line. I hit the line. And everybody goes, nice shot. Those other crowds happening. Yay. And, uh, Jack Hens, was, I didn't see it. All the all the fans are going, no, it was in, it was in. You know, and, and Jack Hens' wife says, I think it was out. What? 
20 people said it's, you know, 30 people said it's in and one person said it's out, and you go with that call? Come on, Jack. Take it over at least. That's ridiculous. I'm about, about, you know, banding the ref again. In the meantime, Ernie, being the white-skinned boy that he is, is over under the umbrella, far off the court again, putting on the sunscreen, right? Sure. For the fifth time, I'm right by the pole with my little beer, sitting behind the post in the shade, drinking a little beer. You're happy. I'm arguing the fact I'm saying, come on, that ball was in, we should at least pay it over. And then finally goes, that's it, Boogie, I'm just delay a game for you. I go, delay a game, I'm right here. Ernie's over there under the umbrella. I'm going to be, I'm giving them a point. I'm going, oh, come on, ref, this is ridiculous. I lose that, I'm losing another point. I yelled, Ernie. I said, Ernie, he wants to give you a point for me being the staller when you're, okay, Boogie, we'll take it. And I'm going, how could Ernie do that to me? And mind you, my feet were so burnt and getting ready to blister. I'm saying, there's no money. So I said, that's it. I'm going body surfing. So I take off. I go in the water and I'm surfing for an hour. Loving it out there. Oh, my feet. Oh, beautiful day. Oh. Come back. Now we got to play Von Higgins and Lang again and win that and then go to the finals. So I come back. I don't even tell Fluger I'm quitting going surfing. He first figures I'm taking a time out. I don't show for an hour. He goes, where's Hoagie? He's, he's about half a mile out there. Come on, get him back in. Point a minute. Finally, he realizes, yeah, I ain't coming back. So they, they didn't forfeit. They just give us a point and finally, okay, that's it. Forfeit, blah, blah, blah. So now we're going to play him again. I said, all right, come on, Flug. We can beat him twice in the same tournament. Flug goes, no, I don't want to play now. I'm going, oh, come on, Gene. I mean, Gene, come on, we can beat him. I know we can beat him, but I don't want to play now. It's like two kids are going like, no, 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 no. I said, all right, I can't blame you because I, how can I blame you? Right, no problem. Because we were driving together back or something. We went down together, so it was no big deal. But I mean, those were little things. There's another tournament I might have, probably could have won. Because again, there's no money in it, and there's no big write-up in the LA Times, anything like that for me to be the glory. So You decided to body go, surf. I'd rather go body surfing at that time than sit and abuse myself. What made Fluger a special talent? He was, uh, he couldn't jump high. He couldn't set great. Couldn't pass perfect. Couldn't serve fantastic. But he did everything very good. And he was a good partner. He's consistent. And you could, you could kind of tell. I mean, he had his good days, and then he had his better days. That's a good way to put it with him. He had his good days, and he had his better days. Right. He was just a good player. Not a great player, but a good player. Great. Good stuff. This concludes part two of our interview with Bob Vogel saying thanks so much for tuning in. As a reminder, we have a website, which is godstoghost.com, which is dedicated to commemorating the history of the sport of volleyball primarily focused on the beach, but also focused on the collegiate game and also on the Olympic teams here in the U.S. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to you checking out part three, which will be released on Monday. Mm -hmm.